assurance. Come on, someone say this. That I'll see His glory. How many of you know that you'll see Him one day, face to face? Face to face. say your spirit. Come on. Your spirit lives within me, so I will walk in your peace. Your spirit lives within me. My victory, Someone believe that today. Make this your prayer. Your spirit lives within me, so I will walk in your Your spirit, your spirit lives, lives within, within me. Say your spirit, your spirit lives within me. So I will walk. I will walk in your peace. Your spirit lives within me. Say my victory. Say my victory. Say your spirit, your spirit lives within me. So I will walk in your peace. Say your spirit, your spirit lives within me. My victory. My victory. My victory. Your spirit. Seated, please. Aren't you got a, glad you've got a God that cares about you? 
Amen. We've got a God that cares about His children today. And I told you at the very beginning of service, those who were not here for the 2 o'clock service for the Bible class, um, we took a break and we had donuts and coffee for all of our veterans. We have a short video clip. I think it's loaded back there if they have it ready. Spin it. if we could ask all of our veterans to stand all across this congregation. If you served in any part of the armed forces to protect our country, would you stand to your feet right now? Would you give them a good round of applause and appreciation? Thank you. Thank you for your service to our country. Amen. We understand that freedom is not just something that's free. It's worked for and we honor you. If you didn't get your donut before service and coffee, you get it after service. They've got donuts and coffee for all of our veterans. God bless you. You may be seated. Right now, our usher corps is coming. As they're coming, I want to remind you that a week from Tuesday is our Thanksgiving dinner. It will begin at 6 o'clock. A week from tomorrow, Sister Bang needs six strong young men that can be here to help set up tables at 6 o'clock. Could I see a show of hand of six 6.30. I need six men. Would you raise your hand if you're going to come? There's one. There's two, three. Behind me. Four, five. Okay. Six. Okay. We've got, we've got the six men. Be here at 6.30 a week from tomorrow in the evening on Monday evening. We'll get this all set up and ready to go. Also on the 9th of December is our Christmas drama. It's called Christmas at Holy Grounds. Christmas at Holy Grounds. You'll have to be here to, to appreciate that. The following Sunday after that, on the 16th of December, is Our Salvation is Here, Music and Drama Extravaganza. 
that will be a, an outstanding day. And then the following week from that is the 23rd of December, and that is our holiday reception. We'll have food and, and fellowship at 2 o'clock, and then our main service at 3. That's Christmas week. All of that is going on, and uh, we also need three people that can bake turkeys. Sister Aber said, I need six men and three turkeys. And I almost said, well, I can give you some turkeys. A lot easier I can than men. No, she needs three people that can bake a turkey. If you've got enough time, you can bake an extra turkey. Would you raise your hand? I need three. There's one. There's two. Huh? There's three. Okay. We have the three. Sister Aber, I have done everything you've said do and asked me to do, I think. And um, I want to remind you that starting in January 2019, should the Lord tarry, we are starting our 21-day Daniel's fast. We are going the whole 21 days. It's going to be an interesting time for you. That will begin the evening of the 1st or the morning of the 2nd of January. And uh, we'll be giving you more information on that coming up. And for those of you that wondered what happened to my head, all I can say is I'm glad she did not hit me with a cast iron skillet. I ain't saying anything about you. They're all looking at you, honey. This is what happens when you have a solid steel garage door, not one of those little tin ones, and you didn't raise it quite high enough, and you looked down to answer your phone as you ran through it. And um, it, uh, it got my attention. I'll be fine when the swelling goes down. It just hadn't gone down in about four days. It's still working on it. My wife said, did you crack your noggin? I said, I don't know. I may have cracked my skull good, but somehow it, it's starting to go down. But um, I just wanted to get that out of the way before I got to preaching today and you trying to figure out what's going on with me. Okay, I figured I had to clear that up. Brother Aber's up here just talking about all the things he went through, and I'm thinking, yeah, well, I got the scars. I can prove mine. Amen. We're going to give you an opportunity to give it an offering. These fine young men up here are always busy serving, and we're thankful for that. If you want to give electronically, our church secretary has a card reader in the back. You can give online at ptlv.org. Just be a cheerful giver at whatever you do, and let the Lord bless you today. Dear Jesus, thank you for an opportunity to give to your cause. Bless now the gift, the giver. Use it all for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Worship with the praise team. Come on, let's put our hands together one more time. We have the victory in Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm a person of destiny. Grace and mercy follows me. And I know I'm an overcomer. Always give praise to the one forever reigns. In Him I triumph every day. Every battle has been won, so I've already overcome. And I will lift my voice and sing. Praise precedes the victory. I am. I 
overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph in His name. Hallelujah. I want us to make a declaration today. Living the best life, living the blessed life, I am victorious. Living the best life, living the blessed life, I am victorious. Living the best life, living the blessed life, Sunday. Would you raise your hand? You were not in service with us last Sunday. And most of you were here. Thank you. For those of you that were here last Sunday, fasten your seatbelt. God did something to me this week He hasn't done in quite a long time. I uh, went to bed excited about the service on Sunday and just thanking God and having a time of praise and prayer and drifted off to sleep and I woke up at 5 o'clock on Monday morning. God woke me up anytime. I don't know. God's got a sense of humor. When He wants to tell me something, He wakes me up at 5 o'clock in the morning. Now He could easily do that at 8 o'clock. But if He really wants to tell me something, it's 5.00. I look at the clock. It's 5 and two zeros. It's 5 o'clock. I've had a conversation with God about this. Now, God, why can't you do this at 7 o'clock? I'll be a lot more clear thinking. I'll be a lot more awake. The only answer I got was, I'll wake you up when I get ready to wake you up. So if it's 5 o'clock, I know that God's telling me something. At 5 o'clock, I pop wide awake. I sit up, look around, realize that it's 5 o'clock, and that's God's time to talk to me. And I rolled out of bed, and I went and got on my knees, and I said, okay, God, what is it? And this message came back to me that I preached last week, the incredible power of nothing. And God said, part two, start writing. And by 5.30, God had laid out for me, and this very seldom ever happens to me. God had laid out for me what He wanted me to preach. So all week long, I've had time to tweak this thing and do all kind of things. John chapter 15, verse 5. 
I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Don't you understand? God wants you to be fruitful. I said, God wants you to be. What does it mean to be fruitful? He wants you to have something to show for the investment He put in you. The Bible says we have this gift, this inheritance in this earthen vessel. God put His Spirit inside of you, and He's expecting a return on His investment. And He said, He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me... You can do nothing. Look at your neighbor and tell him, without God, you ain't nothing. Look at your other neighbor and say, with God, you're a little bit. <laughs> but without God, we're nothing. Dear Jesus, we love you and thank you for your word. And God, I ask you to anoint your servant. Your word's already anointed. Help me to preach real good to these folks. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated, please. I opened last week with a writing that my good friend Jerry Jones had said. He said, nothing, no thing, nothing. Try to describe it. Try to define it. It's the hardest thing in the world to define because it's not anything. It's something that doesn't exist. We know we may not be able to define it, but we sure know what it's good for. Nothing. It's emptiness. It's void. It's just not there. It's good for nothing. It can make you feel hopeless and helpless. That's our concept of nothing. I said that last week, and I didn't get very far last week. When God looks at nothing, He looks at it totally different than the way we look at it. And I closed with this scripture from the book of 1 Kings, chapter 18. They just had this showdown at high noon that Brother Alexander talked about on Tuesday night. And in verse 43, listen to what happens when the man of God says to the servant in verse 43 of 1 Kings 18, read. said to his servant, go now, look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. He and said, he boy, go and look toward the sea. And he went and looked and he came back and he said, sorry, boss, there ain't nothing. Read. And he said, go again, seven times. And he said, go again. That's the last word you want to hear when you've just done something that took a lot of effort on your part and you came up empty is for somebody to say, oh, go do that again. How many of you ever played athletics and you had a coach that would tell you to take another lap? How many of you didn't like that coach? How many of you didn't like taking that other lap? Maybe you liked the coach, but you sure didn't like that other lap. I still don't like, I'm the same way. I told them a long time ago, y'all see me running, you better start running because something's chasing me. That's been my motto ever since I quit playing ball and that coach made me run. That's the only thing that got me to run then. Sister Blizzard's the only thing that make me run these days. She still keeps me on my toes. But there's something about understanding. He said, go again, and the servant didn't argue with him. The servant didn't argue with him. Read the next verse for me. 44. I didn't give you that one, but read it for me. And it came to pass, 
at the seventh time. Seven times he went. Now, get, get a mental picture with me for just a minute. Let me break this down for you. They were on the side of a mountain. They were down over on, you know, they used to sing a song, said, I'm climbing up the rough side of the mountain. Anybody ever heard that song? Anybody ever saw the smooth side of a mountain? Every mountain I ever saw it was rough. Going to be real hard. You'll be skiing down the smooth side of the mountain. But you ain't climbing up it if it's smooth. you got to have the rough spot to help you climb the mountain. And so here they are on the side of the mountain, and the man of God is saying, okay, God, I did what you said do. And, and you know, I told him it's fixing to rain. And he looked at the servant. He said, go and see if you see any kind of a cloud anywhere. Now, get a picture. This servant is having to do all the hard lifting, all the heavy lifting and climbing. He's climbing over the boulders and the rocks and the dirt and the scrubs and everything else to get to the top of the mountain so he can look, and he takes a big look. Nothing. And he climbs back down there. I can see him. He's dirty. He's hurting. He's tired. And he gets down there. He's out of breath, and he says, Sorry, boss. Ain't nothing up there. Good. Go again. Okay, be right back. Up this mountain he goes, climbs over the same rock. Now he's got a path. By the third time, he knows where he's going. But it still doesn't make it any easier to get there. Up and down this mountain, and he gets back to him. Boss, boss, there ain't nothing. Go again. Come on, let's be honest. We're human. Our fun meter would have peaked out about the third time. Honestly, it would have just peaked out about the third time because we get tired of chasing nothing. We get tired of trying over and over again when it didn't work out the way we thought it was going to work out. Some people quit church because things didn't work out the way they thought they were going to work out. Help me. Help, stay with me. Some people quit their marriage because things didn't work out the way they thought they were going to work out. They quit their job because they didn't like their boss. They quit this, they quit. Come on, I'm telling you, somewhere you got to understand, it takes some sticking to it to get the job done. And God's looking for somebody that says, I'm going to look for you because even though you see nothing, I see something. The Bible said he went again seven times. Read on. And it came to pass on the seventh time, he said, Behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea, like a man's hand. He said, Go up, say to Ahab, Prepare thy chariot and get thee down, that the rain stop thee not. He'd already told him, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. There wasn't a cloud or thunder or anything. Sometimes you're going to claim some things in God you don't see yet. But you just know in your own spirit it's going to happen. God's already gave you a confirmation in your spirit it's going to happen. You can say, you know what? I've started this P7 Bible Club. I started this 
Campus Ministry International and nobody's showing up but me. But I, in my mind, in my heart, I see this classroom full. I see this courtyard full. And it's not going to happen overnight, but I'm going to stay with it. When I started Praise Tabernacle, there was only one guest showed up in our first service other than my family. But I didn't quit there. I said, God, I see a building that's full. In the spirit, I see everybody coming and the building not being big enough. And here we are today in a situation where we're going to get another building. That reminds me on Tuesday, I need all of you to pray. On Tuesday, I have an appointment with the director of real estate for Clark County Aviation to present our petition about the land right behind our land. So at 11 o'clock Tuesday morning, I need you to pray. I'm seeing things already in the spirit. I'm believing God going to do what he said he's going to do. Seven times he went back up that hill. Let me talk to the preachers in the house for a little while. Let me, let me just talk to you for a few minutes. Brother Aber spoke to us today when he was teaching. But when you're in training, don't get tired and quit because your turn's taking longer than you expected it to. Too many young preachers have quit because they didn't get to the top soon enough. They didn't get to where they wanted to get fast enough. They didn't get to do what they thought they would get to do quick enough. When I read the story of this servant, it's interesting timing in the Word of God. This is the last you hear of this servant. None of the word. This is his final chapter. Because it's in the very next chapter that Elijah goes by and he anoints Elisha and throws his mantle on him. This is not Elisha as the servant. This is a different servant. What happened to this one? He got promoted. He got promoted. His turn came. You see, there's something about just being faithful and doing what you ought to be doing when nobody's looking. Uh, There's something about climbing that mountain when nobody's watching you climb that mountain and it don't look to you like you're getting anywhere or you're doing anything. Uh, It it just kept going over and over and over seven times. The Bible said he did it and he came back with that good report and then he got promoted. You see, walking around the walls of Jericho could not have been much fun. You read the story in the Old Testament how they marched around the walls of Jericho. Jericho was a walled-in city that the walls were about 30 foot wide. They could have chariot races on top of the walls. You understand? We're not talking about an 8-inch block wall. We're talking about a wall as wide as this platform. They could have two chariots racing on the top of the wall. And the children of Israel had to march around the whole city. Now, it was not fun marching around the city. Have you ever walked by people when they were up in the windows and they were throwing things at you? Spitting on you? People don't like you. You're their enemy. Okay? You can imagine. It it couldn't have been fun. Now, God had already told... You're going to march around this place one time every day for six days. On the seventh day, you're going to march around it seven times. And then he had an afterthought. He said, and while you're marching, keep your mouth shut. 
That's probably the best advice they got. Because if not, can you imagine the complaining they would have done? Can you imagine the griping they would have done? So it's a lot easier to say, just march and keep your mouth shut. There's another reason, though. I think that sometimes we talk God out of the miracle He wants to give us. Boy, that's tight, but that's right right there. We talk God out of the miracle He wants to give us. Well, God, I know you're going to do something, but I sure wish you wouldn't put me through all this. God, do you know what I'm going through? God, this is not fair. God, that's not right. Do you see what they said about me? Do you see what they did to me? Now, God, I don't know why you can... Why don't you just zap them, God? I'm the good guy. You don't... After a while, God gets sick and tired of hearing about our self-righteousness. So it's a lot easier for him to say just zip it. Seven times around, he said, then you can shout the victory. Can I tell you something? If you'll go ahead and do what God wants you to do, you'll have a chance to shout. I said, if you'll go on and do what God wants you to do, your time to shout is a coming. Uh, but sometimes you just got to pray until something happens. Uh, you got to pray until Satan hemorrhages. Uh, you just got to push your way through whatever is going on. Uh, you're going to have to push your way through whatever you're going through. Uh, you're going to have to get to the other side of it. Uh, you're going to have to keep claiming God's victory. Even when you don't see it, I read the story about a man that... Um, it's a true story about a man whose wife had told him she was leaving. Life was their, their marriage was over. There was nothing he could do. He cried. He begged. She said, no, tomorrow morning when I get up, I'm packing up. I'm leaving. He went in. He started. He got on his face. He started crying and praying, talking to God. And the word of God said, and the man of the thing, the spirit of God said to him, get up and read my word. He got up out of the floor and he took that Bible and he opened it up and he started walking through his house. Three o'clock in the morning, he's walking through his house and he's reading the Word of God. He's reading it out loud. Uh, he's reading it just everything he can find. He's just reading it out loud. He's not trying to disturb anybody. He's trying to find comfort for his own soul. Reading the Word of God. Uh, he walks for hours. He walks through that house. Uh, and at three o'clock in the morning, he's reading the Word. Uh, the door opens up. His wife comes out weeping and says, Honey, I can't argue with the Word of God. Uh, pray with me. Uh, let's fix the problem. Uh, sometimes you're just going to have to hang on to what God promised you. Sometimes you're going to have to stand on the promises of God and say, God, I'm not moving. You made me a promise. You promised me my loved ones. You promised me my home. You promised me my job. You promised me this and you promised me that. And God, I stand on your promises. I don't care how long it takes. I'm going to look again and I'm going to believe you. The incredible power of nothing. I may not see it today, but I believe it today. I claim it today. Hear me, church. We're not going to win this city by ourselves, but God's going to give us what it takes to reach this city. God's going to give us favor with people to reach this city. God's going to open doors so we can reach these cities. And it won't be because of what we did. It won't be because of what we did. He said, without me, you can do nothing. Paul said to them, I don't come to you with enticing words of men's wisdom, but I don't come to you about who I am, 
but I come to you about who he is. Uh, Paul said, uh, you may not know me. Uh, Let me tell you something today. If you know me, that may be a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, If I know you, that may be a good thing or a bad thing. But if I know him, uh, I promise you that's a good thing. Uh, And if he knows me, that's a good thing. Uh, He knows the way I take. Uh, Job said, uh, he knows the way I take. When I'm tried, I'm going to come through. It's pure gold. You see, God knows where you are today. God knows where you are today. He knows what you went through this morning. He knows what you went through yesterday. And He knows what you're going to go through tomorrow. And He made you a promise. Uh, I'll never put any more on you than that which you're able to bear. And therewith I'll make a way of escape. God promised. You see, we're taught from childhood that we're something special. Every one of us taught we're something special. We think we're we're, we're all that and a bag of chips to go with it. You're you're, you're, you're special. You're special. You're the most special thing God ever created. You know what? You ought to tell your children that. You really ought to tell your children that. I mean it. But you want to tell them what makes you special is Jesus. He's the one that makes you special. He's the one that gave you the ability. Mama, 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 I made straight A's. Honey, I'm so proud of you. Thank you for all the hard work and study you did. Let's thank Jesus for helping you know the right answers at the right time. Uh, Oh, hear me today. You need to teach that child to be dependent on God and thankful to God for everything that happens in their lives. Because you see, whenever we understand that without Him, we're just dust. Without Him, we're just dust. It's an interesting verse of Scripture in John 19. Pilate is asking a question, John 19, verse number 10. You have that one? Read it. Then said Pilate unto him, Speaketh thou not unto me? Are you talking to me? Hey, hey, jerk face, you talking to me? You know who I am? Read. Knowest thou not that I have the power to crucify thee? Don't you know that I have the power? Jesus, you need to understand this. I have the power to crucify you. Read. And have the power to release thee. Or I got the power to snap my fingers and let you go. You better. You better look nice to me. You better talk nice to me. I'm somebody. I got your future in my hand. Let me tell y'all something. Some of you think that the devil's got your future in his hands, but he don't. Some of you think that your boss is in control of your situation, but I got a flash for you. He's not. Some of y'all think that the, the voter registrar is in charge of what's fixing to happen with a couple of these states when they're having, you know, somebody said to me the other day, if these go wrong, it could break out war in America. Honey, why don't you just quit worrying about things you ain't got no control over? God's still in control. I said God's still in control. God's the one that'll make the final decision. There are more people get worked up over more stuff that they ain't got any control over. You do what you're supposed to do and do the best you can do, and God will take care of the rest. God will take care of it. But he said, you need to understand, I have the power. Jesus said, 
Ain't got no power except it comes from above. The king looked at four Hebrew boys, three Hebrew boys, and said, I'm the king. I can throw you in that fiery furnace. Now, what's your God going to do? How are you going to answer me now, boys? And they said, okay, we be not careful how we answer thee. We know one thing for certain. He said, well, who's going to deliver you from me? He said, our God is able. Whether he does or not, we know he's able. Whether he chooses to or not, we know he's able. And King, let me just let me just clarify it one big thing. If he doesn't do it, I'm still going to trust him. Uh, if he doesn't take me out, uh, I'm still going to trust him. And the king was wroth. Uh, and they made that fire seven times hotter than ever been. Said, now we're going to roast you, boys. And they threw him in. And the guys that shoved them down the tube in there, they died shoving them in. They died putting them in the fire. They died throwing them in. And the king rose up, decided to have a look. And his knees started clapping for him. Did we not cast three men in there? Yeah, king. Three. No. I see four. Here's a king didn't believe in God. Not their God. He said, Lo, the fourth one looks like God. Let me tell you something. You may have to go through the fire to get where you want to be. You may have to go through the fire to become what God wants you to be. But when you read the rest of that story, what you find out is that they came out of the fire and the only thing left... Now, understand, when they threw them in, they bound them with ropes. They covered them with heavy coats because they wanted them to catch on fire. They wanted the fire not just to burn their body, but just to singe them and hold them and torment them as they were dying. They said, this is really going to be good. <clears throat> You're going to look like a, a hush puppy when we get through with you. You're going to look like a corn dog wrapped in something, and we're going to cook you that way. The Bible said all that stuff burned off of them. Everything that bound them on the way in, they left it in the fire. You hear me? When you go through the fire, when you get down to nothing, I want you to understand God's up to something. You hear me? When you're down to nothing, God's up to something. The incredible power of nothing is when you're down to nothing. Oh, I'm going through this. Nobody knows. Yeah, God knows where you're at. Uh, and God knows what you're going through. Uh, and Job said he knows the way I take. Uh, I'm just being tried right now. But when it's all said and done, God's going to show me something about it. Uh, and when they came out the other side, uh, they weren't bound anymore. Uh, and the Bible said they did not even have the smell of smoke on them. I 
preached a message about going through hell without a smell. You hear me? Some of you have been through some hellacious situations. Problem is you can smell them because it got into your spirit. It got into your attitude. You're still wounded by it. You're still feeding off of ashes. That wasn't fair. What? That wasn't right. This ain't right. I, come on, come on, come on. I'm talking about a healing today. I'm talking about the incredible power of nothing. It's when you dump it all out and say, hey, God, uh, I want to come out of that fire without even the smell of smoke. Uh, people came up to him and smelled a little bit to find out uh, how'd you make it through. Let me tell you something. When you're going through your darkest hour, understand there's somebody watching you uh, and they're going to come up to you when it's all over and they're going to see what you smell like uh, and what you look like uh, and what you act like. Uh, Hear me today. God said, I would be with you. You won't walk through it without me. The same Jesus who walked on the water, the same one that said, peace be still, the same that fed the 5,000, the same that told Lazarus to get up. He said in Matthew chapter 26, listen to what he said, Matthew 26, verse 53. Read it for me, please. Thinkest thou that I cannot pray to my father? And he shall presently give me more. He said, let, let, let me tell you something, King. Do you, you need to understand. You don't think that I can pray to my Father and he will presently give me more than 12 legions or 12,000 leagues of angels. That's a bunch of angels. You say, well, we only believe in one God. What's he talking about praying to the Father? Let, let me address it. Let me address it real clear. When he did that, what he was trying to say, every power came from above. He emptied his divinity to reach our humanity. I said he emptied himself of his divinity to reach our humanity. Somewhere we're going to have to empty ourselves of ourselves uh, before we're ever going to do anything for God. Uh, we're going to have to empty ourselves of ourselves. Uh, we're going to have to say, hey, God, I am nothing. Uh, God, you're my everything. Uh, the incredible power of nothing. Uh, when you become nothing, he becomes everything. Uh, when he becomes everything, everything changes in your life uh, because now it's all about him and not about you. Peter was a dirty, rotten fisherman. If you've ever been around fishermen that, I'm talking about real fishermen that live on the boat, that's a salty bunch of folks in more ways than one. Their language. You haven't heard say they cuss like a sailor? Well, out on that boat, they ain't got much to do but say bad stuff. They need God a whole lot worse. Every sailor needs God real bad. I'll tell you something, they get in the right storm, they ain't an atheist on one of those boats either. One of them going to pray. I've been in a few storms when the waves came over the boat. I've done some praying. I tried to buy the boat one time. I just wanted to take me home. I was in tears. I wanted to go to the house. I was done. I said to myself, I'm never going fishing like this again. I repented went fishing again. But see, because God loves us so much, sometimes He has to remind us that we really are nothing. 
Sometimes in his love, he reminds us of who we are and what we are. Now understand, when Peter said to Jesus, he said, you're all going to deny me. Peter jumped up and he said, hey, God, not me. Now, I know some of these tax collector guys. I know some of these doctor guys. They're, they're kind of lily livers. But when I tell you, uh-uh, bucko, you count on me. I'm with you, boss. I got your back. You ever had a friend like that? Roughneck, tough, got your back. Don't you worry. I got you, boss. And Jesus turns and looks at him and he said, Pete, before that rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And I'm going to tell you something. Peter was indignant. If he had a hat on, he took his hat off, threw it on the floor and stomped it and said, I will not. Not me. Them other guys, but not me. And I'm going to tell you something. He meant it. He wasn't lying. He could not fathom one thing in his mind that would ever cause him to deny the Lord. He couldn't picture anything bad enough that would ever cause him to deny the one that he loved, the one that had made something out of him that took him from a dirty fisherman uh, to a preacher of the gospel. He had laid his hands on people and they'd been healed. Uh, he had watched God uh, work miracle after miracle through him with his own hand and nowhere in the world was he going to turn his back on him. He said, the others but not me. But you see, when he stood outside of Pilate's judgment hall, and he heard Jesus scream on the inside as they plucked out his beard. He heard him cry out in pain as they beat him with the cat of nine tails. Survival instinct kicked into his brain. And his thought was, if they'll do that to him, what would they do to me? And about that time, a little maid said, I know you. You were with Jesus. No, no, not me. No, no, not, not, not me. Not, not, not me. Well, no, wasn't me. That was my brother. Another one said, no, you were with him. I saw you. No, not me. She said, your speech betrays you. You sound like him. So he started cussing so he wouldn't sound like him. He didn't just say one bad word. He just let it all rip. And when he did that, the rooster started crowing. And the door squeaked. And he turned and he looked. And he locked eyes with Jesus. And his heart broke. Because he realized, I'm nothing. I thought I was somebody I thought I graduated. I thought I'd arrived. I thought I had made it somewhere. I thought I had made something. I, I just, how could I ever, how could I ever have done that? And it was Jesus reminding him he was nothing. But when you read just a little further, after the crucifixion on the third day at the tomb, when he's resurrected and Mary's trying to find out where they took the body and Jesus speaks to her. He says, Mary! She says, Rabboni, teacher, master, it's you. Go and tell the disciples 
And be sure to tell Peter, I'm alive. For three days, for three days, Peter had licked his wounds and figured out where he was going to get another fishing boat, how he was going to get back into the fishing. Three days he'd already figured out what he was going to tell his family and his friends about his colossal failure. How he chased a, an impossible dream and how all of this didn't work out like he'd planned and how sorry he was for leaving everybody and not doing anything. And he just, you know, for three days he'd lived with his failures. And then Jesus rose from the dead. He talked with them, he met with them. But when he left, when he was received, Peter just couldn't get his head around it. You see, something inside of you has got to change. You may have failed God in so many ways in the past, but God's not mad at you. God just wants you to understand that without Him, you're nothing. Without Him, you can do nothing. Without Him, you'll always wind up at nothing. But with Him, everything changes. Everything changes. Peter got the word. He went and looked inside the tomb and he was gone. The next picture of Peter is he's back fishing again. He's back out on the boat. And it was so reminiscent because you see, when you try to go back to a world you left, you're not going to find anything there that you really want. You're not going to find anything there that will ever satisfy you. When I first got into church, there used to be a, a, a lady that, um, God love her, she was in and out like the garden gate, but she loved to sing, and they would try to encourage her and let her sing again. And the song she sang every single time was, There's nothing out there that for the soul that once knew God. No peace, no pleasure can ever be found. There's nothing but heartache and disappointment. There's nothing out there for the soul that once knew God. And she would cry as she sang that song. And six weeks later, she'd be gone again. Because you see, something inside of her would never total surrender but her song, every time she came home, said the same thing. I've been out there looking for it. I've been out there searching for it. I've been out there wanting it, uh, but I couldn't find it. Uh, it was beyond me. It was beyond what I could, my purview. I couldn't find it. Uh, I'm looking for something. I'm here to tell somebody today. You walked into this house today, you're looking for something. Uh, you're looking for a God that loves you uh, and a God that can fix you uh, and a God that can change you. Uh, what you need to do is bring your brokenness to Him and your nothingness to Him and let Him make something out of it. So it was that He went back fishing. Again, the same results He had the very first time He met Jesus. He was a weary, failed fisherman. But what He found was a loving, providing Savior on a riverbank. He already had bread and fish on the fire. And he says to them, children, have you caught anything? Nothing. Try a different way. Cast on the other side. 
When they cast on the other side, the Bible said they had a great drought of fish, and, and, and it wasn't even Peter that recognized him. It, it wasn't Peter that understood who it was. Uh, something, John recognized it's Jesus. And Peter left them trying to land the fish, and he jumped into the water. And when he jumped into the water, he made his way to a hillside. He made his way with all of his nothingness to confess his brokenness and bring his nothingness to Jesus. And I can see him when he fell down at his feet. Brother Aber, just like what you were teaching today, when the prodigal came home, he had his... He had his message all summed up. Uh, He'd already practiced it. Now, Father, I'm sorry that I did you the way I did you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Would you make me one of your hired servants? I can imagine all the way home, that's what the prodigal son did. He practiced what he was going to say. I can see see Peter when he jumped in the water. What am I going to tell him? How am I going to tell him? And so when he got there, he just looked at him. He said, I'm sorry. Why don't you give up on me? Why are you back here again? I'm nothing. No good. Jesus just looked at him. So you're nothing. Good. And he scooped up all of Peter's nothingness. And he asked him, do you love me? Peter, you know, Peter said, yeah, Jesus, I love you. Good. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yeah, I just told you. Yeah, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I love you. Just do. Peter, do you really love me? Jesus, you know I love you with all of my heart. I'm sorry I'm a failure. He said, stop. That's good enough. Three denials, three I love you. Now, boy, I need you to take these keys, uh, and I need you to build a church. Uh, He said, I already gave you a revelation of who I was. Uh, You said I was the Christ, uh, the Son of the living God. Uh, And I told you that upon this rock, uh, I'll build my church. Uh, I gave you uh, the revelation. Uh, I'm giving you the keys, Peter. Uh, You were nothing in yourself. Uh, You're going to be something in me. Uh, You're going to make something of yourself now. Uh, You're not going to be a failure. You're not going to quit. You're not going to give up. Would you stand with me right now? He said, I'm going to take all of your denials and all of your affirmations. I'm going to roll them all together and I'm going to restore you. Think about that for a minute. Last night I was praying over this and I realized, wow, Peter got a great trade in that. Have you ever made a good trade? Have you ever made a good trade? You got rid of something. You traded somebody something. When I was in college, I wanted a guitar. I had a nice stereo I paid $30 for. That was a lot of money in 71, I guess. But I got a good deal on it. The guy walked into my room and he looked at my stereo. I had it cranking and he said, man, I want that stereo. I'll trade you. A guitar for it. He brought me a Gretsch, hollow body, hummingbird guitar. I said, you're going to trade me that for that? He said, straight up. 
I said, a deal. We shook hands. I unplugged that stereo. I gave it to him. He said, there's only one problem. After he took the stereo down, put it in his room. He said, the neck is twisted on that guitar. It'll never be able to play just right. But it's pretty. And he laughed at me as he closed the door. I called my brother-in-law, who was a professional guitar player. He played Epiphones and Gibsons. And I said to him, I said, bro, I'm ready to go whip somebody. Because I'd just been had. He said, what happened? So I said, I'm going to come over. I went over to his place. I took the guitar. I said, see if you can tune this thing. See if he told me the truth. He said, the neck's twisted on it. He started playing a little bit. He said, yep, the neck's twisted on it. I said, I'm going to go whip him. And we were in Bible school. And my brother-in-law said, no, you don't need to do that. I said, yeah, I do. He took advantage of me. He said, he's the one that got the bad deal. I said, what do you mean? He said, a Gretsch and a Gibson have a lifetime warranty on them. He said, I'll show you how to ship this back. When they sent it back to me, it was worth over $1,000. <laughs> I strapped that guitar around my neck. I walked in his room, and I beat that guitar for him, and I told him what it was worth, and I said, you the sucker, not me. First church we pastored, I sold that to pastor that church. But I thought about that. Last night, God was telling me, look at the deal that Peter got. He traded his failures. He traded his failures. He traded his cursing. He traded his denials to find the love of God. And God would use him on the day of Pentecost which was exactly 52 days from the time of the denial. How long is it going to take God to restore you? I get sick and tired of preachers saying, we're going to sit you down for two years and see what you're going to do. Let me tell you something. You get your life ready, and I'm ready for God to do something with you and to use you. It ain't about what you've done in the past. We put that under the blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, let's get up and get going forward. Uh, I'm here to tell you, uh, if I was thrown away for every mistake I ever made, uh, and if I threw away every one of these men that made a mistake, wouldn't be nobody in this house today. But we're all broken vessels uh, that God has put us back together again and made something beautiful out of our messed up lives. Are you down to nothing today? Why don't you drag that nothingness to this altar? Why don't you drag those failures to this altar? Why don't you drag your fears to this altar? Why don't you drag your self-righteousness to this altar? Drag it down to this altar today. Empty yourself out to Jesus uh, and let Him put you back together again. When you're down to nothing, God is up to something. Uh, there's really something incredible about the power of nothing when you surrender it to Him. The Bible said, 
for the man of God that the brook ran dry. But when it ran dry right down the road, God had a provision for him, waiting on him to restore him and to use him. Let's talk to Jesus. You are the love of my life. You are the hope that I cling to. You mean more than this world to me would trade you for silver and gold would trade you for riches untold you are you are my Silver and gold 
him let's praise him hallelujah 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 glory to God I love you Jesus I love you Lord 